So, so, so we will continue today. I want to speak of God the evangelist. We're going to be looking at a short passage out of John chapter 6. Uh, if you are able, uh, could we stand for the reading of God's word? Uh, I'm going to tell you in just a second, okay, Adam? Thank, Adam is asking the question, what is an evangelist? I'm going to tell you in just a second, okay? But let's read this, and, and then we'll jump into the passage, okay? Amen, amen. Father, thank you for your word. May your word communicate life and truth even now. John chapter 6, beginning at verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on that last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father, has learned from him, comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his beautiful word. This love letter from heaven. God, we thank you so much for speaking through the ages to us. We thank you that your word never changes but continually causes change. And I pray this morning, God, that every ear would have an openness to hear what you're speaking to your church by your spirit through this broken, fallen, earthly vessel. May the treasure of the gospel speak loudly. May it be clear. We come against the evil one who would want to snatch this seed. We declare him a liar. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are powerful, that this word is active, it's living, it's alive, it's ready to change our hearts. Speak to our hearts now, we do pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Adam, I promise you I'm going to come right back to the, what an evangelist is. Amen. Haven't forgotten. All right, I just want to give you a little bit of a context of what's going on here in this passage from John chapter 6. So, so um, you know, there are four histories written in the Bible of the life of Jesus. Uh, if you look to your Bibles, you know, you'll see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then there's uh, another historical book, the book of Acts that follows, and then there are a series of letters that are written by Paul and a few others, and then there's the, what we call the Revelation, it, uh, speaking in, here's the big fancy word, apocalyptic language of the things to come, a book of worship. But in the, in the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you, you, the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are written from a very similar perspective. And so they're called the synoptics. They're seen from the same perspective. John is just written a little differently. And, and John writes um, uh, describing uh, seven signs that, that Jesus uh, performed to, to authenticate who he really was. And there are also seven I am statements that are made. And this passage speaks of the first. I'll just briefly run through them. There is the I am the bread of life from John 6. There's the I am the light of the world, John 8. I am the gate for the sheep in John 10. There's I am the good shepherd, John 10 again. I am the resurrection and the life, John 11. I am the way and the truth and the life, John 14. I am the true vine, John 15, 1. Jesus makes these I am statements. And uh, without a little bit of understanding of, of Hebrew culture, you could read these and miss what's going on right here. But these are all essentially statements of his deity that he's saying, I'm God. 
It's, it's easy to miss that. As a matter of fact, in, in John 8, when he was uh, debating with the, the teachers of the law, and they're, they're, they're trying to, to bring him down, and, and he actually says to them that they are children of the devil. These are the teachers of the law he's speaking to now. Okay, we know Jesus is a loving God. You read him and people like to talk about, oh, he's so, you know, he's so different from the God of the Old Testament. No, the God of the Old Testament is just a loving God. And Jesus can also be very in your face. And he is in their face. He, 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 he didn't really like hypocrisy a whole lot. He really didn't, you know. He calls these teachers all whitewashed tombs, a brood of vipers. And he calls them here, you're children of the devil. He said, what, you, what do you mean? We, we're children of, Adam, of, of Abraham. What are you talking about? And, and he says then to them, before Abraham was, I am. Just I am. And it's easy to miss that what he's declaring right there is what was called the covenantal name of the Lord, Yahweh, I am. This is how, how God reveals himself. He says, I am that I am. And when he says, I am, it says the next statement is, they picked up stones to stone him. Why? Because in their mind, he's blaspheming. Okay? So, so here now in, in, in John chapter 6, it's the first of the I am statements. I am the bread of life. So he's going through this discourse. We call it now, as we look back with, with the, the eyes of history, we call this the I, the, the I am the bread of life discourse. This is where we're at, okay? And so in, 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 he says that uh, a little earlier in the same passage, all those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. All those the Father gives to me. And then in, in verse 44, which we just read, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I will raise them upon the last day, this promise that we too will be resurrected. And then a little later in the same passage, in verse 60, uh, he, you know, he just finished um, explaining, again, the, the metaphor of his body and his flesh being uh, life. And that if you come to him, you got to eat of it. you got to drink of him. And his own disciples go, this is a hard teaching. I, I, what are you talking about, Jesus? And he says, I'm telling you this is what it is. He says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, it's a hard, who can accept it? He goes, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? This is one of the reasons we believe this gospel, because people saw it. And, and it, it, if it wasn't true, why would they pass on? Why would hundreds of people have passed on what wasn't true? They saw it. What would you say if you saw the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. And then verse 65, it says, as he goes on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Do you get what this is all saying? You and I have this mandate to pass on this good news. And one of the main reasons we don't is we feel like, who am I? I can't do this. I don't have the right words. I, you know, I stumble through this. I'm, I'm not eloquent. I, we, we come with all kinds of excuses. But what these scriptures are telling us is that ultimately, God 
is the evangelist. He's the one who is drawing people. He's the one who is winning people. It's not you. It's not me. We, 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 I'll say some more about our role in this. But ultimately, it's God who does this. So, Adam, your question is, what is an evangelist? Evangelism comes from a, a, a Greek word that literally means the passing of good news. You know the word angel? An angel is a messenger. Angelion is the message. The EU before the U in the Greek language is, we find in words like eulogy, a good word. It's good. It's good news. So an evangelist is someone who passes on good news. All right. And the good news we're talking about is the good news that God has made a way for us to be right with him. You, you don't do anything. God does it all. The work of the cross, his death, burial, resurrection, is complete. And all we do to be made right with God is to say, I receive it. I receive it. And then now, as we've received it, if, I mean, we've talked about belief so many times. Belief is not just saying it's true. The devil believes it and shudders. But if I say I believe this gospel is true, that there is life found in Jesus, then I act on it. But ultimately, God is the one who is doing the work, right? God is the evangelist. So, so what does that mean for us then? If God is the one doing it, if it's not really dependent on you and me, it's not dependent on it. God doesn't need you and me. In his love and his mercy and grace, he invites us to join him with the most beautiful task of all human history, just to share this good news. You know, you think about... Many of you are young families, and you have, you've got babies and young kids, and you think about a, a child in a womb. My, my wife actually is heading out after this. She's going to a baby shower. One of my daughter's friends that she grew up with is, is pregnant right now. You think of a child in the womb, and it, do we create life? Do, do, do we make a baby? No, but God includes us in this beautiful act of, of a child, a, a man and a woman, part of a man, a part of a woman coming together to form a child. I don't know how to invent a child. I, I don't know, how, you know, there's so much about that whole process. I am just absolutely clueless. I know the basics. Okay? <laughs> I know the basics. I know my part. <laughs> but God does that. And likewise... God is the one who brings new life, but he invites you and me into this process with him. Spiritual life, he invites us into this. So, so, so what, what do we do with this? Well, I, I would say that the, the first thing that ought to be on your minds right now, if God is the evangelist, God is doing this, then I, I need to make prayer a priority. I need to be talking to God about this. I, that, that's, that's my first step. Even before I'm thinking about, okay, I gotta go talk to my neighbor across the street, I gotta go knock on some doors, I gotta go do it, and I come up with all my various plans on how to win people. Start with prayer. We just did an entire series on prayer, and we included this in that prayer series. And I would invite you to go back. We have all our messages on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, Google, whatever podcast you like to listen to, it's all there. Listen to that series as well. But prayer. We need to make this a priority. 
Paul writes to his, uh, his, his young disciple, Timothy. There are two letters he writes to this young man, Timothy. And in the first letter, he, he says these words. He says, I, I urge then, first of all, again, putting priority on it, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. For all people. And he goes on to talk about the importance of, of praying for the kings and those in authority. And so we, we, we should be But he says, all people. I'm going to come back to this later, later in this message today. But he, he says, this is good. It pleases God. He wants all people to be saved. So he says, in light of that, make this thing called prayer a priority. Make sure that you, that you have an active prayer life where you're thinking through the people that you're going to pray with. And so because he is the evangelist, God is using I'm going to make prayer a priority. I, I, this is my role. God, I can't change anything, and I'm going to come to you. And even as I, as I confessed in the last series, and I will confess today and probably the rest of my life, I really don't understand a lot about a prayer. You know, if God, you're sovereign, you're doing it, why do I need to do anything Somehow he's saying that this is my role. This is what this very passage says. He says, God wants people to be saved. So, first of all, make these intercessions, these petitions, these signs. Do this. It's part of, 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 of us partnering with God in his creation of new life that he's inviting us into. I, I, this I do know about prayer. Prayer is me communing with God and fellowshipping with Him, talking to Him about the things that are in my heart and, and learning from Him the things that are in His heart. And it's transforming me as I meet with Him. You know, we become like the people that we hang around with, you know. Uh, you know, in the book of Acts, it talks about uh, the, the, the disciples after, um, you know, interacting with some of the rulers, being arrested, all of that, and, and they... It says of, of, of them that they were perplexed at these ordinary, unschooled men. But they took note that they had been with Jesus. There's something about being with Jesus that changes us. There's something about being with Jesus that helps us to conform to his likeness. It helps us to understand why this thing called the sharing of our faith is not optional. It, 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 we get so filled. We, we, any of you know this. If you get so filled with just being in the presence of God, you can't keep it to yourself. It's got to overflow. I got to tell somebody about this good news. And the more I spend time with the Lord, and I'm in awe of how oh, oh, you love somebody like me <laughs> and where He's taken me from and is changing me and making me more and more like Jesus and just giving me joy in His presence. I, I want other people to know that too. So it starts with me saying, prayer is my priority. I've I, I got to get my mind straight because if, I, if I'm viewing the world with natural eyes, giving thanks for all people, well, 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 well maybe the people that are nice, <laughs> right? Maybe the people who are worthy of my attention. The people who are worthy of my people who are worthy of God's love. Maybe those people. No, he says all people. All people. So 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 how 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 do we pray even for ourselves? 
you know, I, I, how do we pray for ourselves? I want to give you a, a couple of passages. I, I, I spoke from one of them a few weeks back, but Ephesians 6, 19. Pray, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words would be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. This is Paul. If you, if you guys are familiar with your Bibles, you know that many of these letters were written by this Apostle Paul, who was, he was a Pharisee before he became to know the Lord. This guy knew the scriptures, and he understood from the Lord what this gospel was about. And he said, pray for me, that words would be given. You know what I read when I, when I see this? Every once in a while, Paul is going, but I want to share Jesus, but I'm nervous. Will, will it be received? Do you go through that? Do I go through that? Did Paul go through that? I'm sure he did. He's a little nervous. He's a little scared, maybe. You ever, you ever felt like the Lord is impressing me? I need you to talk to your neighbor right now about Jesus. And you go, oh, that's not you, God. And that's, that's, that's the guacamole from last night. You know? we, 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 don't, we don't want to... We get scared. So, so prayer, I think, gives us words, and it gives us courage. So if, 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 I, if I commit myself to saying, this is my first prayer, I'm going to be a, a, a man, a woman, I'm going to be a person of, of prayer. Prayer gives me the words. It gives me the courage. L listen to this passage. Again, I preached from this a few weeks ago, Colossians 4. And pray for us too. Paul writing again now to the church in Colossae, that God may open a door for our message, so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, as I should. So, so, so prayer gives me words, it gives me courage, but it also gives me open doors. And if I'm in prayer, if I have made this my practice, I'm sensitive to those doors that are open, because they're, oh, they're honestly, I think they're open around us all the time, and sometimes we just don't recognize there's an open door. Walk in it. I know I'm not alone here. I've talked to people this week who've, who've shared this with me. I look back on the day before and say, there was an open door. God, why didn't I walk through it? It happens to us all the time. And I think in those moments where we are tuned in with the Spirit, we go, okay, God, here's the open door I've been praying for. We walk into it. And words of clarity. It's, it's, I, I think this is more than just uh, being articulate. Because I'm telling you, I know folks who can be articulate in all they're saying. And it's kind of like, and I've done this, where I think, I am as clear as I clear can be. And the person looks at me and goes, huh? That don't make no sense. So it's more than just a natural clarity. It's a spiritual clarity. Pray for that there's clarity in the spirit. The person can hear that they're not clouded by the lies of the enemy and the ways of the world. We pray for that. So prayer ought to be the starting point for us. There's another passage I want us to look at real briefly. There's, you know, just before Jesus ascended to be with the Father, we see this in the book of Acts. He's, he's leaving some final instructions to his disciples. You, you know, you've heard me talk about what we call the primacy and the recency effect. The primacy effect, those things that you hear at the beginning, you tend to remember. Those things that you hear at the end, you tend to remember. There tends to be a little drop-off in the middle. So you want to make sure that the important things are being said. So he starts his ministry, 
Come, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. He's leaving. He's about to ascend. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 he says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Again, what he's communicating here is that this work that we have to do in telling people about our faith... It's not yours. It's not mine. It's it's God. So it requires supernatural power. It requires a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. That that, that we are seeking what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And so if God is the evangelist, God is doing this work, I, I need to seek actively. I need to actively seek to be filled with the Spirit of God. Do you know if you trust Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, the Bible tells us at that moment you're baptized in the Spirit. You come to a place where you're saying, the Spirit of God has chosen to indwell this broken, this broken vessel. Hallelujah. That even one like me, one like you, all of us, God lives in us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You read through the book of Acts. Again, I mentioned to you that there are five history books in the, in the New Testament. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then Acts is just like, it's, it's an abbreviation for the Acts of the Apostles. Some people would say it should really be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because we see the Holy Spirit moving, establishing the church. And what we see played out in this book is exactly what Jesus said would happen. Jerusalem receives the Holy Spirit. Pentecost. And all Judea, the surrounding area. And then Samaria, those people who are kind of looked down upon by the, the, the Jewish people. And then the ends of the world, Gentiles start to receive this gospel. And that's playing out today. The whole world is receiving the gospel. You know, it might seem hard here in our post-Christian culture to share the gospel. But there are places in the world where people are just so open to Jesus And I was having this conversation just a week ago uh, and how you go to a place like Honduras or Jamaica, where I'm from, Jamaica. And you can talk to people about Jesus. People are just receptive. You go to the high school in Jamaica. I was just speaking to my friends in Jamaica. (laughs) The the principal of my high school was in my class. And I visited with him a couple of years ago in Jamaica. And there's this big banner hanging on the school, you know, crusade for Jesus. And people in other places are wide open. This is a public school I'm talking about. This is not a Christian school. It seems hard here, but God says, no, you have power. It doesn't matter your context. There is power available to you who belong to Jesus. To me and to you, there is a Holy Spirit power. And we ought to expect God to be doing miraculous things all around us. Now, don't get me wrong. Even as we look for miracles and signs and wonders, and we should. We should anticipate that. I think sometimes we don't see that because we're not, we're not looking for it. The biggest miracle that you're going to see is the changed heart. That person who you'd think that person would never come to Jesus. Someone like me. Again, some of you know my story. But somebody like me to say yes to Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit power working. So we need to be filled with the Spirit. What does that mean? Depending upon your own 
background church. In some places, being filled with the Spirit means, oh, I'm speaking in tongues. Paul writes to the church in Corinth, a very carnal church. And these folks spoke in some serious tongues. And Paul says to them, Look, I'm glad you speak in tongues. It's a wonderful gift. God has given that gift to the church. It's a good gift. Every good gift comes from the Heavenly Father. He, he doesn't shift like the, like, the, like the changing shadows or shifting shadows. God, every good gift is a gift from God. But that's not what it means to be filled with the Spirit. You can be carnal and speak in the Spirit. Paul said, I'm, I, I, I would rather speak five intelligible words in the church than 10,000 in the Spirit. I, I want to be filled with. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Singing in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And essentially, what being filled with the Spirit is, is a daily yielding to God, asking Him to come in and say, God, you are in control. My life is not my own, it belongs to you. And the next day, I might forget that. You know, they talk about the, you know, Paul writes about, you know, us being a, a living sacrifice. Offering ourselves as a living sacrifice. I, I die to self. Jesus puts it this way, you know, if you want to be my disciple, if you want life, you lose it for me. That's, that's what it means to, to, to be a living sacrifice. But, you know, it's been said that the problem with the living sacrifice, it wants to crawl off the altar. Right? And, and that's you and that's me. You know, today I say, Jesus, I'm yours. And then, I just said that on Sunday. Why, why, why on Wednesday am I behaving this? Why, why have I forgotten all of this? But then we remind ourselves again, it's a living sacrifice. So daily, day by day, I offer myself to Jesus. And say, God, God, I'm yours. So I have a pattern of my, in my life. You and I have to have a pattern in our lives that says, I submit myself to you, God. I'm yours. I trust you. All these things that I've been chasing after, they really don't matter. You're the only one who really matters. Your kingdom is what really matters. And I submit myself to you that. And God, where I have wronged you, I repent. I turn away from this. There are sins of commission, things that we do, that we say, I'm sorry, God. Forgive me. And then there are sins of omission, things that sometimes we're not even aware of. But the open door came, and I didn't walk through it. I omitted to do what God told me to do. And again, you just say, God, forgive me. And God says, you're right. You come, come back to me. My arms are around you. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. It's, it's as simple as that. It's a, a yielding to him, a daily yielding. And it doesn't all, it's not always accompanied by strong emotion. It can be. And, and so I don't discount that. I mean, I, I mean, just about every week as I, I'm in the presence of the Lord, I'm weeping before him again, and I'm thanking him for the joy in his presence. And I, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing to experience that. But you can be filled with the Spirit and, 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 and not necessarily be emotional. So it's, it's not one or the other. So, so it's not the exuberance of speaking in tongues. I speak in tongues oftentimes when I'm filled with the Spirit, but not always. And some of us don't even have the gift of tongues. And I know people who are, oh, they are spirit-filled. And they're pretty stoic folks, right? But they love the Lord, and they're yielded to him, and they're living for him. And this is what it means to be filled with the Spirit. And I think as we fill ourselves with the Spirit, we understand that this mandate given to us to tell people about Jesus, we can't keep it to ourselves. 
It has to be passed on. I, I want to close us with this one here. God is the evangelist. God is the one doing the work. He is the one that I, I can trust. And so I, I say, God, I, prayer is my priority. I'm trusting you for this. And with that, I also understand that it means that if I'm going to be a, a person of prayer, I need to be filled day by day with your Holy Spirit. I need to be yielding to you, ready to do your will. Let me pause for a second. You know, I, I uh, had mentioned to you that uh, in, at the end of this series, I'm going to be doing like a, a Saturday seminar workshop where we can talk about some of what you're learning right now, how we can put it to practice, how we can encourage each other to make sure that we're doing this. It's called One Step Closer. Why do we call it One Step Closer? Because I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to be working with a, a definition of evangelism that goes like this. To evangelize, to share good news, is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, the evangelist, and with others, with other people, to draw a person one step closer. Sometimes, sometimes we think that evangelism means that if I share Jesus and that person doesn't say yes right now, oh, I failed. And I want to say no. We, our role is to be well-equipped and prepared to tell people the good news. The response is between them and God. But for what statistics are worth, the average person who says yes to Jesus has at least seven significant encounters with the good news of Jesus Christ. And you might just be one of those encounters. You might be right at the beginning, and you tell somebody, you know, there's a God in heaven that loves you. It might be something as simple as just telling them what God has done for you today. It might be just the planting of those seeds that has somebody going, something's going on here. I've probably planted a whole lot more seeds than I have reaped, right? And so part of what we're doing again is I want to cooperate with the work God, the evangelist, is already doing in somebody's life. And perhaps I'm just part of that chain, and I want to just cooperate with them to bring a person one step closer. I want that person to know Jesus, but let's get them one step closer. So if this has been a weak area for you, and I would imagine that if you're honest... For the majority of us, we would raise our hands and say, yes, that's a weak area for me. If that's you, make sure to put that on your calendar. Come out and be a part of that workshop. And we're going to talk together about how we can effectively share our faith and make it seem so natural, even though it is a supernatural act. So, so again, put that on your calendar. One step closer. He says... I promised you I was going to come back to, to the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, again, let me read the, the, those verses to you. I urge them, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I'm sure Paul, when he wrote this, was saying, even people like me, Paul who used to persecute the church, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants all people to be saved. Did you know that? That's God's perfect will. And somebody here is going, well, if that's the case, how come all people aren't saved? If God, his will is for all people to be saved, and I'm saying it is, he says this, how is it then that all people aren't saved? Well, it's, I think that relates a little bit to the limitations of our own language when we say the will of God. 
and to understand that there are different aspects of the will of God. What we're talking about is God's perfect will, his desire. His perfect will and desire is that we would all walk in holiness and never sin against him. That's what he wants for you and for me, right? He wants all of us to be looking like Jesus. And he's doing a work in those of us who belong to him. He's doing that work. That's what he wants. That's his perfect will. But there's also what we call his permissive will, what God permits. And part of that includes in this life that you and I have what we call a free will, a choice. We can choose. God didn't make us into robots. We can choose to tell people the good news. You could hear this word today and say, you know, this is from the Lord. I'm going to act on this. I'm going to take steps to equip myself. You could do that. Or you can say, I don't want to do this. You can miss out. And there are those that we share Jesus with. That we are articulate, we share it in the Spirit's power, we have the words, open doors, all of that, and they go, I don't want this. But my own conviction, because I belong to Jesus, my own conviction is that when somebody, when God places anybody in my life, they're there for a purpose. Any relationship I'm in, it's there for a purpose. And there are two chief purposes. If you belong to Jesus, then it's fellowship. It's mutual encouragement. That's why you're in my life, if you belong to Jesus. Because we're called to encourage each other to press on towards the goal for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus yet, the term I like to use is, well, then you're a pre-Christian. Now, I, I know that not everybody is going to come to faith because people do make choices, and some of those choices are going to say, I don't really want Jesus. They won't say it out loud. Some people will, but a lot of people say, look, I'm quite content in my life. I, I'm making big money in corporate America. I've got a, I've got a house with, with, with you know, a white picket fence around it. I've got you know, 2.5 cars. Uh, <laughs> some people are content with life. But then there are those who, when you share, them, share Jesus with them, they're going to go, I need this. I want this. And my understanding, again, is that if you're in my life, I either am in fellowship with you or I'm called to witness to you, to, sh to share Jesus with you. Because I'm believing that if you're in my life, you're going to come to know Jesus too. No, no listen, listen, listen. He wants all people to be saved. And he loves you. So, again, I know not all people are going to be saved, but that's God's will. So I'm going to trust God to save those that I love, those that he's placed in my life. I'm going to trust him for those people. You, you know, you, you guys hear me say this all the time if you're part of this. Michael, it's my younger brother. Some of you have met Michael. I love Michael. I don't know if Michael's going to be listening to this message because Michael doesn't seem to have much of a desire for things of the Spirit. But I've seen God working him. He may not see, but I see God working him. And I've been waiting 30 plus years for him to say yes to Jesus. And I'm believing he will. So Michael, by faith, if you watch this, you need to know you and I are going to share the kingdom together. 
I have to believe that. I'm not going to give up. Because you, you may have been, again, sharing your faith with your neighbor, your friend, your relatives, your associates, those people around you. And you haven't seen the fruit of them saying yes to you. But you don't know what God is doing in the spirit. Remember, God is the evangelist. He's the one who's shaping and moving human hearts. And, and we don't even understand our own hearts, much less to say, my neighbor beside me. You don't know what's going on. God is working. God is the evangelist. He wants your loved ones to know Jesus. So don't give up on it. Press in. You may have said, you know, when was the last time you prayed for your neighbors? I, sh- I shared with you a few weeks ago. Uh, Mike introduced me to, to a, 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 a tool called BlessEveryHome.com. We have, yeah, there we go. BlessEveryHome.com. And I want to encourage you, church, sign up on there. You, 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 it would prompt you to learn how to pray. I get a, 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 an email every week. Every day, sorry. Every day. There's an, and what it does is it, it looks at my neighborhood and it just highlights about five neighbors around me and gives me a prayer prompt. And I click on it. I look at them. I read their names. Some of them I know. Some of them I don't know. But I click on it and I pray that prayer for them. And I say, I've prayed. And I want to keep faithful in that. It keeps reminding me. So when I see them, I want to be able to say, oh, that's the person I've been praying for. So I want to encourage you to do that. And if you've already signed up for that, there's a little uh, option that you have there that you can designate yourself as a light in your neighborhood. And so you can see other lights that are around you. So you can know, you can then start to partner with others to say, let's pray together. Let's pray together for our neighborhood. Let's believe God that he would bring just, just a revival. Starting here in Marysville, around you, around your neighbors. Open doors. Let's believe God. Let's trust God that he, if he's going to save someone like Paul, if he's going to save someone like me, that those friends and relatives and associates and neighbors that he's placed around you, he wants to save them too. We've got so much more to talk about. But I just want to prompt you again. There's a mandate, and it starts with prayer. I'm going to give you the outline of what we'll talk about on, on uh, 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 what date is that? The October 3rd, the first Saturday where we're having the workshop. But the process of evangelism, and this is where we're going in the next couple of weeks, it's simply this. And it's not in, in a linear fashion. We do this concurrently. But, but it starts with prayer. Then it's care. We'll talk about that next week. I want to actively care for my neighbors. And then it is share. I got, I got half the words. I got to be able to speak the truth of the gospel to people. I got to learn how to do that. But if you've gotten weary, you need to know, you also need to hang in there. <laughs> Don't give up, my brothers and sisters. Press into this. Press into this. Let, let's do this together. What would it look like, church? If you and I took this message seriously and said, we're going to do this. When you have a friend that you're being prompted to pray for, you can just call up another brother, another sister in the church and say, look, look I, I'm feeling a little nervous right now, but I feel like God is calling me to speak. Would you pray for me? And we understand we don't do this by ourselves. We do this together. This is how we fulfill the mandate that God is given to us and why we cannot keep it to ourselves. I'm going to close in prayer. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward. Uh, please sign up even now for the, the prayer work, the, 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 the 
uh, One Step Closer workshop. And join us this Thursday for prayer. If you've never been in a prayer gathering before, you can just come and listen to folks pray. There's something about being with prayers that teaches us to pray. And, and, And it communicates back to our own spirit. This is not about me. I I can't do this. God, I'm dependent on you. That's what prayer does. There's something powerful about two or three coming together in the name of the Lord. That the manifest presence of Jesus is there. So join us then. Let me pray first right now. Jesus, um, we are grateful to you that you have chosen to include us in this beautiful mandate. That when you said, come follow me that you'd use us to bring others into the kingdom. God, we just want to confess before you that we've been weak. We've thought it applies to everybody but me. We've not been active in this. And we submit ourselves to you. Thank you that your love for us is so vast, so everlasting. And Lord, you just want to take us from where we are right now to make us more like Jesus, who came to share your love, Father. So teach us what that looks like. Help us to press into this, to ask questions, to not settle for the ordinary, but to understand, Holy Spirit, you have told us that we live for you. When we receive you, we will have power. So fill us with that power. In Jesus' name, amen.